0: Hello, magical money makers, and welcome to the EPOP podcast, episode four of season one. Season one's theme is our journey to short-term rental success. And today's episode is called to manage or not to manage. That is the question.
1: The 10 most popular U.S. Airbnb destinations for the summer of 2020 were spread out over six, mm, kind of seven states. But one of those states had three spots on the top 10. What state was that?
2: Get your thinking cap on. And we forgot this old city's name. See your breath on window pane. Let's just talk till it strikes again. On my way through, I saw you on my way.
1: All right, the ten most popular U.S. destinations from the summer of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't have the stats for twenty twenty one yet. Right,
0: so we're in pandemic, full on pandemic. Time yep, yep, for the summer of last year. Yep. So you want the top ten states, or the no, number one state? No, 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 oh, that would be, no, no. no. <laughs> the state with the, the most. The top ten
1: places like Uh cities towns in the u.s right there's 10 there's 10 places Mm -hmm. one state has three in the top okay like three we'll call them which state has the most yeah which state has the most
0: yeah i mean this is a really thought-provoking question because i would say it wouldn't be somewhere with a city because most people were trying to avoid cities last year the
1: term city means area town area town you know it it doesn't have to (sighs) it doesn't mean big city
0: Gosh, I'm really having a hard time with this one because I'm just thinking so many people wanted to escape to the mountains or to the beach, like okay. just really remote places. So,
1: okay, so those are areas. Yes. So,
0: Colorado. Colorado. Maybe because of the mountains. Has
1: none in the top 10.
0: Okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> um, Florida. There you go. Ding, ding,
1: ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I'll give you the top 10. I don't know if these are actually in order uh because on the list i have they just list 10 but i'll read them off as they are on the list because maybe they are uh big bear lake california okay miramar beach florida panama city beach florida Mm -hmm. smoky mountains and this is where the six kind of seven states comes in tennessee slash north carolina what up home state well i guess now home state uh hilton head island south carolina Destin, Florida. So those are the three in Florida. Miramar Beach, Panama City Beach, and Destin, Florida. Okay. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So there's okay. two in South Carolina. Palm Springs Desert, California. So there's two in California. Port Aransas, Texas. Don't actually even know where that is. No, Sounds but- like it's on the a beach area, though. Yeah. And then, to me, by far the most surprising, Branson, Missouri
0: okay i've never even heard of branson missouri Uh, napkins has gone to branson a hidden gem that we don't know about hey napkins and his
1: family went to branson i mean
0: i would feel pathetic as a travel blogger except we don't we're not really travel bloggers anymore (laughs) identity (laughs)
1: identity crisis (laughs) i barely (laughs) traveled
0: um over the last two years
1: yeah branson missouri I cool. um, guess
0: we got to check it out someday. Yeah,
1: Florida. When I saw that list, now granted, I am just coming from a conference, the Bigger Pockets Conference. If you follow real estate, it's a very big real estate website forum. Uh, I got to have the amazing honor and pleasure of hosting a panel on short term rentals there, which is super fun. And when you talk about short term rentals, everyone is talking about 30A and the Florida, you know, pa, um, Panama City Beach, Destin, and also everyone is talking about the, uh, the Smoky Mountains. So to me, you know, because I'm coming from there, this list of like Smoky Mountains and then these two or three Florida areas that are, you know, in that zone, uh, that's not a surprise. Um, I, and Hilton Head and, and Myrtle Beach aren't really surprised because, again, similar idea behind it is, you know, coastal areas. Um, and big bear in Palm Springs in California, like you mentioned, remote, right. Kind of in nature spots, but Branson shocking to me,
0: <laughs> Branson shocking. shocking yeah. To me. Well, I thirty A has been on my radar radar for a couple of years because I know a lot of people who have been going there and it's so beautiful. And my sister, Julie, when she lived in Nashville would go because it's not so far of a drive and obviously a very quick flight as well. Uh, but we've never been there because we always try to go somewhere warm in the winter. And it's not really super warm in the winter because it's pretty far north in the panhandle of Florida. So I get why people would still want to go there in the summer and in the shoulder season because that's probably some of the best times to be there.
1: Yeah, beaches are supposed to be excellent. And, you know, interestingly for for us, coming, having grown up on the East Coast, you know, it was pretty far because Florida is a you don't think of it but when you get up in the panhandle a long state uh, east to west Mm -hmm. um not not that long when you get down into what we maybe we could should call like the the meat of florida um not that wide you mean yeah not that not that wide yeah long across not that wide but yeah so for us to go to those areas was as far as uh, if we went you know all the way down the coast but like you mentioned a lot of other areas in the u.s and a lot of people who we've met now from more inland areas tennessee um you know Midwest, the, the midwest um places like that uh kentucky um they even like if you're western north carolina mm-hmm. western south carolina you know getting to the panhandle
0: is so easy is easier
1: easier and so yeah it's kind of yeah, it's opened our eyes to that area a bit recently, and and yes, when you're talking short-term rentals, everyone's talking about yeah, the Smoky well, Mountains, and everyone's talking about 30A and, and the Panhandle.
0: When you're talking about beautiful, beautifully decorated rentals, I mean, 30A is known for having just the most gorgeous short-term rentals. I mean, like the really nice ones you, there's obviously ones that you can get that are a little bit cheaper that you know maybe right aren't right on 30a but um the, there's like I, a I couple of roads down there that are just like they have the beautiful houses and then the insides are just decorated so intricately with thought out detail i mean i've seen people post on instagram and I, it's like oh my gosh it's gorgeous road trip yeah. Go I mean it's trip. research. It's research, right? In so it's name. like it's a work trip, really. In the, in the name of research. In the name
1: of research. Yeah. So um speaking on that conference, um, one of the questions that came up that we got asked on this panel, and I was in the minority, so there's five of us. I, I was uh hosting it or uh moderating it. So it was me and then four other people on the panel, and I was the lone dissenter on this question, when people asked about managing your properties, and we had already planned to do an episode on "to manage or not to manage," that is the question. But it's interesting because being there, that question got asked, and it was—I wouldn't say the panel got heated in any way—but <laughs> uh, it was interesting that my perception and my perspective was different than everyone else's, and I know why that is. And so we're going to talk about that today. So if you are just joining us, if you if you happen to just Fall in on episode four. The this episode of this season, what we're doing with the new format is we're we're doing our show after four hundred and seventy five episodes and seven years. We're changing up a bit, and we're doing seasons. And each season is going to focus on a particular topic. As Heather mentioned, this season is our journey to short term rental success and we have 8 episodes in this season the first 3 we've already done our journey into the world of short term rental success was episode 1 and that is a bigger picture overview which a lot of people thank you for all the comments on Instagram and emails and if you if you know us personally the text messages and phone calls people are like this is awesome i'm so glad to get to hear the whole scope of the story And that's why I wanted to lead off of that so people could know the context and the background of where we're coming from. So definitely go listen to that because it will give you that context as we continue on in the rest of the episodes.
0: And then episode two was how to find your first short-term rental. And we talked about how there are really three different options for you out there and- I think it's really informative, so give that a listen, too, because if you're wondering, you know, maybe you're new to short-term rentals and you're just thinking, well, how do I even get into this? You know, we delve into that in that episode.
1: Yeah, and then the one we just released, episode three, The Difference Between Middle of the Road and Magical Listings, are, we should say, our favorite one to record. May uh, I mean, so far, that was a really fun one because that is – kind of where the creativity comes in when it comes to short term rentals. And that's why when I was talking to a lot of people at this conference about real estate, and it was people doing all types of real estate, everything from self storage centers, to, you know, mobile home parks to long term rentals to short term rentals. Um, I find short-term rentals to be the most sexy because I feel like they're the most creative. Um, Yeah, well, you
0: can have a lot of fun with them. And, you know, we've done quite a few now. And so each one gives you a different experience and a different opportunity to make something really special that your guests can enjoy.
1: Yeah. And it's not just about the numbers, although uh, this episode we'll talk about managing or not managing. Episode five, we'll talk about the numbers. So it is about the numbers to some degree. I feel like- Oh,
0: it's definitely about the numbers. Well, it's about the numbers, (laughs) but I
1: feel like there's other parts of real estate that are just strictly numbers-based or way more numbers-based. People get into it because they're like, I just want to see return on investment. I can do this same thing 10, 15, 30, 50 times and systematize it. Whereas you and I- we're not against building in some systems, and we'll talk about some of them today. But we do like the creative piece of it, and we like that each property can be different. That's why we go towards short-term rentals,
0: right? And um, yeah, the numbers are important, um, like you said. And we'll talk about you know what how to make the numbers work for us in the next episode, and even a little bit in episode six when we talk about how we pivoted our kind of our strategy with short-term rentals. So there's a lot of exciting stuff coming.
1: Yep, episode seven, I'll just f- finish it off mm-hmm. then. Episode seven, we're gonna talk about renovations. Um, And, you know, should, that, another, that is the question, right? To renovate or not to <laughs> renovate? That is a question. Some Sometimes you need to, but we'll talk about what we've seen from not renovating some properties and then getting properties now that we do have to renovate and the pros and cons and also what things Make the difference, and maybe where you should renovate and and make it nicer, and maybe where why you shouldn't. Um, and then the last one, episode eight, our biggest lessons learned and mistakes to avoid. We're gonna avoid. We're gonna wrap it all up and kind of recap it uh, to put a bookend on this season. So that's what we've got coming up, and that's what we've done already. But today is all about should you manage or not manage? And when we say manage, again, if you're new to the short-term rental game. Um, you need, there's a lot that goes into short-term rentals that doesn't go into just long-term rentals. Typical, typical long-term rental is buy a place, get a tenant in for a year. You know, there's not hopefully a huge amount of management. It, right. it can happen, but you know, you know if they're paying on time and
0: maintenance issues or things like that.
1: Yeah. But short-term rental, there's a lot of turnover. You're typically having guests in for, Two nights, maybe a week, some sometimes longer, but it's so many more guests coming through your property, which makes this idea of managing a bigger question because you're going to pay more for a manager because they're going to do a lot more work. But if you do it yourself, you're also you're going to have to do a lot more work. And so the the thing that I think everyone has to think about here, Heath, and this is where I was different than other people on the panel. Is what type of lifestyle do you want to have, and what is the purpose of your short-term rental? And we talked about this in episode three. Like, what is what are you looking to get out of this? You know, is it just all about the money? And if it is all about the money, then you know, is it? Hey, I want to do this so I can leave my nine to five. So I'd be happy to manage the properties because that amount of money that I would get out of that would make me enough to leave my regular job. Or is it about? A lifestyle that brings you in more passive income like where we stand hey we want it to be fairly passive so we don't want to deal with a day-to-day management
0: right and also for us we have other jobs that we like doing such as this podcast and such as the location indie community and so we have other things that also take up our time you know our and, and our kids of course um But as far as work goes, we had other jobs. So when we were managing it ourselves, it got to be really stressful and gave us a lot of negative feelings because we had other work to do and we didn't quit a job just to manage the property. So, you know, if you are in the position where you can buy some short term rentals or even one short term rental and the paying yourself basically as a property manager will allow you to leave another job or go part time with the job. That's a great idea if you think that's something you would be interested in. But with all things, you know, if it's a job, it needs to be done well. And there's a lot of things that go into a lot of details that go into really just crushing it when you manage properties because it's not just about managing, it's also about marketing and getting the the listings beautiful and performing well on all of the platforms.
1: Yeah, and so as we talk about this episode, I just want you to think about, is this something I want to do and is this something I would be good at? And, and again, is if I do this, is it allowing me to, to have freedom somewhere else, or am I just adding this onto my plate? And have you put that? Well, we, we were just adding the management onto our plate. It wasn't taking anything off our plate. And we realized the management, you know, the, the money that we would have spent managing it. So essentially what we were paying ourselves to manage it was minimal compared to the money we were making from our other businesses. Um, some of that was cause the rentals weren't doing, uh, as high in numbers as, as we do here in North Carolina, Um, so it just, you know, you, you have to think on that and, uh, typically just to throw this out there, usually you're paying a short term rental manager anywhere between 15 to 25% of whatever gross you bring in. So think of like the money that you're bringing in minus the cleaning fees, usually, usually minus the cleaning fees, um, then you're going to pay out 15 to 25% of that to a property manager. You might be able to get someone lower, especially if you have a lot of properties, you know, things like that. But that that is a very average range. Um, I would say 20 to 25, like 15 is pretty low. So 20 to 25 is more like what you should budget in. And so you just look at that. And uh, one of the people on the panel with me, Avery Carl, she's awesome. She has, she said, okay, well, we do, Now she was talking a little bit, she has a portfolio of long-term and short-term rentals. So this was a little bit different, but she was saying, all right, we do $800,000 a year in gross income from, from their hundred properties or whatever. And she said, so if I was to give up 20, 25% of that, I'm giving up $200,000. I don't want to give that up. Okay. That that's her prerogative. If you ask me, Hey, you could have 800 K coming in. Uh, But you have to do all the management work. You could have 600K coming in. You have to do none of it. Personally, I would go for the 600K and doing none of it. She didn't want to give up that 200K because to her that meant, all right, if I have 200K, I can buy three, four more properties. So she was in this crazy growth phase of like, well, we're going to keep it all in house. I'm going to make as much as possible to continue to grow whereas I was saying, well, I just want the lifestyle that this affords me. So that's an example of people thinking two different ways. But when we talk about management, there's really three ways to go about it, right? And the first way, Heth, is if you do everything yourself.
0: Right. If you clean and if you manage it all yourself, then you're keeping 100% of your profit other than what, the platforms like Airbnb take. So that is an option if you have the time or if maybe you only have one place and you can easily manage it on top of your other job. Um, The second option is... Well, we
1: should say we've never done that. Like we've never done the clean and manage. From the beginning, we knew we didn't want to clean it. And the only people that I would really recommend do this... Is if you happen to have a cleaning business already or enjoy cleaning, fine. But um, if it's your own house, right, and sure. that that might make sense, or if you have a super small place, so for example, Danielle, our realtor down here in North Carolina, uh, below their house, they have a like just a little studio unit, and they Airbnb it out, and so she does take care, or did at least uh, for a while, take care of all the cleaning, and that's pretty simple. I mean, we're talking 250 square feet, you know, one room and a bathroom. So made sense.
0: Right. And, and for us when, with our properties, you know, they were in Philadelphia, we were in the suburbs. So again, to do a turnover on a day, it, I mean, it would take so long just to get down into the city. So again, it's it's about the logistics in your uh, proximity to the properties as well.
1: And we're not on the numbers ep- episode mm-hmm. yet, but to give you an idea of maybe numbers, typically you're paying 15 to 20% in a cleaning fee. You know, that's kind of standard averaged out over how your gross that you make a year. So again, if you make 100K a year, you're probably going to pay somewhere around 15,000 to 20,000 in cleaning fees. That does. If you guys are unfamiliar with hosting short term, that that gets charged. But like, you get to pick what that amount on Airbnb or any of the booking platforms. So it's like not exactly taking out of your pocket, but it gets paid by the guest. But if you did the cleaning yourself, you're not paying it out to anyone else. If that makes sense. The second way to do it is self management.
0: So obviously there are some really good things to know regarding self-management and the skills that you need to have in order to manage a property successfully. And there are also some apps that can help you with this because there's a lot that goes into pricing where you should host it and getting your listing to rank higher when people search.
1: Yeah. And so this is this is where you have a cleaner, you know, someone comes in and clean it, cleans it, but you're communicating with the cleaner, making sure they're coming. You're Mm -hmm. also doing, you know, give you a a breakdown of the kind of roles and responsibilities. So you're, you're scheduling the cleaners, making sure they're there. You're doing all the communication with the guests when they're booking, why they're there afterwards. If there's an issue, you're solving it. If there is, um, you know, that again, yeah, issue, you're solving it. You're, basically, you're doing it all. Um, you're also, as Heather mentioned, getting the listing up. You're making sure the listing's performing. You're changing the pricing. You're maybe changing out pictures. You're calling handymen, plumbers, things like that. So you're doing everything that needs to be done other than the cleaning. And so we started this way. Um, even when we were running our own house out in the beginning, we had a cleaner come because we knew we didn't want to do that. But we self-managed for about, two and a half years. Yes. And we did also try a hybrid version a little bit where we had Jess, who was an amazing cleaner. We didn't live in Philadelphia. So she was kind of like our eyes and ears on the ground. So mm-hmm. she was a quasi property manager. So if there was maintenance issues, she had a, a, a nephew. So she'd have him come do some of the handiwork. So she did a little bit she, of that. Yeah,
0: She was incredible. She's just one person and she didn't really have a team. So, But she was always willing to help us if we weren't there. So she really did a great job with that. But it ended up being that, you know, when we were growing, and she didn't have anyone to help her. It was like, okay, well, if I come up with, you know, something and I can't clean, well, then what do we do? So um, it is really great to have somebody on the ground. And and it's hard to find good cleaners. So when you do, you know, just make sure that you are really – I can't think of the right kind word, of taking but care yeah, of taking them. care of them <laughs> and taking care of them and communicating with them and making, because I mean, if your place isn't clean, that is yeah I mean, huge That's, that's kind of
1: like the first thing that yeah, has to be done. that's the first thing
0: that guests get really upset about. And it's really important to make sure that there's like a quality assurance person that comes out. So if your cleaner can do that as well, make sure that, you know, if they have a team or they themselves are doing it. Just do that quality check before they leave to make sure that everything is looking fantastic when the guests walk in. That first impression really means a lot.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, just know that if you're self-managing, they're... it will be a lot of work. Now, can you automate stuff? Yes. We'll give you some apps to do this. So for example, automating pricing, there's an awesome app called price labs, which you set your like minimum you want it to be, you set your maximum. It kind of pulls all the data from Airbnb and says like, Oh, this is, you know, a weekend or this is a peak weekend or whatever. Um, I'm going to raise the prices. So it, it automatically raises, lowers prices, you know, within the range that you set. You can set on, you can get as crazy as you want. You can set on all different types of rules. If there's like a one night in the middle between bookings, you can like drop the price dramatically to just try to get someone in or you can raise it a ton because you don't want someone in unless they are paying a lot, all this cool stuff. So Price Labs, I loved using when we were managing it ourselves. I
0: mean, you're a numbers nerd.
1: Yeah, so (laughs) it was just, it was cool. And, And it worked really well and it's not that expensive. Right,
0: and I mean, Airbnb does give you some suggestions here and there, especially when you first list. But this is like, much higher level. And so I think that it it really helps get your listing where it should be.
1: Yep. And and some of pricing, we'll talk about that in the next episode. You know, some of it's trial and error, but yes, Price Labs is fantastic. So that will automate your pricing and you don't have to go in and change your pricing. Now you, you do have to go in, you know, it's not perfect. I would, for example, in Philly, I would say, okay, well, when are, all the graduations at all the colleges because I knew that those were big weekends, especially if we had houses near certain colleges. So price labs might not pick up on that right away. So I would make sure I'd go in and be like, okay, May." 10th temple has a graduation okay this property is close to it. let's make sure it's raised up so you have a little bit yeah, of oversight about
0: but. the things happening in your area where your airbnb is because i don't even know if we thought of doing this the first year we maybe noticed it happening and then like the second year and after that we were like okay well we noticed last year that Around graduation time, tons of our Airbnbs got booked and there was a high demand. We're so, like the
1: Army-Navy game. That's a right. big football game in Philly. Like Eagles games.
0: Of it, course. It's just so, events. So, yeah. So no matter where you are, I'm sure that you have things going on, festivals or events. And so just keep an eye on that because you can... You know, not that you want to gouge people, but it's a supply and demand I, it, you issue. You need to make money. You need to make money. So if there's a high demand, you should be raising your prices um, so that you can capitalize. Well,
1: on and it. also people—I didn't think we get in pricing discussion, discussion here, but this is great. <laughs> people will, for those types of things, like big events, will be booking well into the future. Mm-hmm. That—that's the type of people who do book well in the future. Oh, there's a festival that we go to every year in the city. We know it's happening. We're going to book you know, eight, nine, ten a year, months, a year in advance. So you you either open, here's one, again, we're talking pricing, but here's a little tip if you're doing it yourself. Like we don't open our calendar more than six months in advance because- Right now
0: it's actually three months. But and
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's three months. And that's just because we know we can get people in three months or less who need it. So, you know, if you're not sure what events are coming up or you're not sure if your pricing's right, then keep your calendar- you know, not open as much and and start to see so that you're not then getting people booking a year in advance at a lower price and saying, oh no, I could have doubled my rates there. Right? Yeah, for um,
0: sure. Then the next thing to talk about, which is something that I dealt with we, we Travis and I both dealt with but there was a time where I was the one dealing with this the most <laughs> and I have to say it was a struggle until we got this app and that is hospitable.com this app allows you to automate messages so you can set it up in the beginning and it will, you can write up a personalized message that guests get as soon as they book so that you don't have to message them when they book and say, here's how you check in or here's what you need to know. It's automated. So every guest, as soon as they book, gets this message. That was a huge win. When we, when we first started with short-term rental, I mean, maybe now it's just common knowledge, but when we started, I, Didn't even know things like that existed. So we were just responding. Four or five
1: years ago. (laughs) We were
0: just responding to messages like whenever they came in and it was pretty annoying. Yeah,
1: you could do it. It's awesome. Um, You can set all these different actions. It's when they check in, when they check out. Yes, of Uh, course. It's not just check in. Right. Right. One day after they're in, you can send a message. You can also, what's really cool, and this was a feature that they added in as I was using it. uh, We were using it. It was it's, you know, AI is incredible. It was like, if someone put the word parking, like wrote you a oh, message that right. said like, Hey, that. what's parking? It would re if, if they sent a thing that said parking, it would send them an auto message about parking. Uh, if they put in a message about like late checkout, whatever, you could set all these little prompts that then would send it. So it takes about 90% of the messaging off your plate. Now, Are there still messages? Of course, because there's still random stuff that comes up like, hey, we broke a plate or, you know, whatever, all these things. But Hospitable took about 90% of the messaging off. And so I highly, highly recommend that for automated messaging. And
0: messages. didn't it also, after they checked out, sent an automated message about leaving a review? Leaving reviews, because yes. As you know, getting reviews is really important and getting five-star reviews is the best. Yep. So if you just remind people when they leave, because also you can leave a review of a guest for yep. their profile, and then it reminds them to do it for you. So yep. it's really just an awesome App that you can use. One of the other
1: things, and there's a lot of options out there, is smart locks. And um, you know, it's to the point where whenever we have to use keys for anything, <laughs> I, I, I lock myself out. Well. I don't know where the <laughs> keys are because all our houses now just have the little touchpad locks, and some you can set up to Wi-Fi that automatically change the code every guest, and then we'll send the guest the prompt. Like you can tie all the tech together so that you're doing very little of the work. Um, so smart locks is you know, are just a really cool way to do stuff uh, to make sure people don't get locked out. The one thing to be aware of with some smart locks is you, you know, we had this happen like multiple times is and they're and they're better now than they were four or five years ago. Like there's a lot more functionality. Yes. The batteries would die in the lock. And once the battery dies in the lock,
0: it wouldn't move the deadbolt
1: and so. they're either locked in or locked out out and then you like it's a pain in the butt to get the batteries now again there are better smart locks out there that that will for example one that we use is called august like the month and it's all why you can get all wi-fi connected and we'll say like the batteries in your keypad are low or the batteries in your lock are low and send you pings so just just be aware of that It, it we've run into that issue and
0: but not recently, so I think now, like you said, they, they've gotten a lot better, and if you can set them up with your Wi-Fi to an app on your phone, then it will let you know when things might be going wrong, and you should take care of that, because yep. guests just get frustrated when they can't get in,
1: yeah. <laughs> so... And because of all this automated stuff, this was the point of the four other people on the panel when they were saying they don't mind managing or they they don't want to give up the money to a management company who was there saying, Trad, there's so much automation that you can build in now. And I said, yes, and I did it all, and I still don't want to deal with it because inevitably, I'll give you a great example. We have someone awesome, our friends down here, uh, Sean and Clint and Abby and Christine run a company called Going Coastal. The house that we live in, we have them manage when we are not here. Like, we don't even self-manage the one that we live in. And here's why. This past summer, there were guests in here, and the air conditioner died completely. Like the
0: entire unit outside our house, because it's central air. And-, and
1: It was July, and it was 95 degrees outside.
0: And we were not here in North Carolina. We were, I think... Who knows? New Hampshire, maybe. And, you know, obviously we could have dealt with it from afar. But instead of having to even call up, see who's available to install, you know, organize all of that, Sean just calls me up, says, hey, this is broken. This is how much it's going to cost. I have somebody ready to come out. Yeah. Let's are you guys it.
1: cool with it? It's 5,000 bucks. They can come out tomorrow. And we're like, yep. yep. And it was a
0: <laughs> and also three minute call. Right. And he had to deal with the guests like, oh, we're really sorry. You won't have air conditioning tonight. It's 95 degrees and humid. You know, do you want to stay somewhere else? And they have to figure that out. Or do you want to, you know, get a refund for one night or something like that? You know, like that's all stuff that we didn't have to deal with sure, does it take that much time? Maybe a couple of hours. But to us, it's just so much better to have somebody else doing that for us so that we can focus on other things, other work and also our family.
1: Yeah. More than the time, it's the mental energy and the bandwidth it takes up. And I told this story in another episode, but I'll tell it quickly here. The, The moment we knew we needed property managers, the moment it became readily apparent was when we were in Mexico this is when we had our Philly properties. We had finally got to go out on a date. Our friends were watching our kid. At that point, we only had one wit. And um, we had like, the breeze one was blowing. Yeah, breeze was blowing. Beautiful restaurant. We're sitting there. And my phone rang. And I it was a number I didn't know. And I instantly knew like, okay, this is going to be an Airbnb question. And I was getting to the point where like, for a year, every single time mm-hmm. my phone would ring and it was a number I didn't know, it would it would make me, like I would get upset. You know, sometimes it was telemarketers, but it would it would give me like a little sense of panic because Mm -hmm. most of the time it was an Airbnb issue that I didn't want to deal with. And sure enough, someone had a kid had locked himself in the bathroom and they wanted us to call the Philly Fire Department. And so for three hours in Mexico, instead of having a nice, awesome dinner, I am dealing with the Philadelphia Fire Department to get a six year old out of a a second story bathroom in a house in Philadelphia. And that's when I was like, hey, I know we can automate a lot of this stuff, but you can't automate this. <laughs> no. And I'm not willing to have this, to have to be super reactive in my life. I will pay someone to do it, which leads us to the third way of doing it. And that is hiring a property manager to take care of 97% of issues. And by that, I mean, Sean took care of the air conditioning issue, right? But he called us and we'll tell, talk a little bit about that. Um, but that's fine. It's like he called us. It's, it's like if there's a massive big thing we have to discuss or, you know, they want our opinion on something before a season, we do it. And we can usually have those conversations in three to five minutes, a couple times a year. And then it's hands off after that.
0: Right. And so, I mean, we're not saying that you shouldn't manage it yourself. For some people, it is the perfect and right decision for them. It wasn't for us. And... So if if you do, if you feel like us and you do want to outsource it and hire a property manager, then we're going to talk about all the things to look for when hiring a property management company because they are not all equal. <laughs> they are not all the same and there's lots of options with um like national companies that are all over the U.S. and I'm sure in other countries as well, they have national ones. So that is more of an automated thing with a phone line and things like that. So people aren't necessarily on the ground, or maybe they have a local representative, things like that. Those companies, um, they they can work. We've personally never gone that route because we didn't. We wanted a more personalized version of property management for all of our properties. I do think it makes a difference. So I would personally say it's much better to go local if you can find somebody that is amazing locally. That's also a challenge. So you just do what works for you. But some of the national, we'll start with that. Some of the national companies out there are Turnkey, Vacasa.
1: Vacasa. Vacasa. I don't know how they actually Um, pronounce it. It's huge.
0: It's huge. And Evolve. And I believe when we were looking for property managers, we actually contacted Turnkey. We contacted Turnkey
1: and we contacted Evolve. Yeah. And actually the only reason we didn't start, because some of these will charge less. Like, and again, this was years ago, so I'm not sure all the numbers. Just do a little digging, right? But Evolve at that point was charging 10%. And I remember thinking, okay, this seems like a, a good option because it's charging us less. The only reason we didn't go with them is we already had our listings up, and they were saying to us, "Well, we have to create brand new listings, and that's going to get all your, you know, then you're going to have any ratings and blah 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 blah." So we, I, I did go through the route of like talking to them, kind of figuring out what they do. They they made some good promises. I mean, again, I can't speak to if it would have they would have fulfilled on all them, um, but there are national ones that that the beauty. Okay, the benefit of national ones are usually they'll be a little cheaper because they have stuff systematized to a crazy degree and they have lots of employees and so, you know, it's just an economy of scale there. The other thing is that if you do have properties all across the country or in different areas and they are in all those areas, then you only have one central hub that you have to go to. You're like, okay, if I I go with Evolve and I like them, now I can have properties different places and I know what I'm getting and I only have to learn one system or deal with maybe one representative who's handling all my accounts or what have you. So that is a a benefit that is hard that won't happen with local. That being said, most of you listening are probably not in that boat. Most of you are trying to get your first, second, third, and you're probably looking in a specific area to get a few. That's how we did it. We got all of ours in Philly now we're selling all of ours in Philly, but right now we're getting all of ours in the same area in North Carolina. For one of the reasons is for this reason, because we have an amazing property management company here. And we know that when we have an amazing one, it doesn't really make sense for us to go further afield because then we have to find that amazing property management company again, somewhere else.
0: Yeah. And that's not to say like we had our properties in Philadelphia and we ended up hiring a local company for that. And unfortunately, they took it over about six months before COVID happened. So they didn't really get a chance to prove what they could do with the listing. And I think with the listings, I think, you know, things could have been different, but the property management team that we have here in North Carolina is just so exceptional and above and beyond anything we've ever experienced before. So if you can find a gem like that, I mean, it's so worth it. Um, to have them do it because they're so good at it. They they do it better than we would do it. So yep. one of
1: the th- one of the things I think to ask, you know, you're probably saying, like, well, how do I find a gem? Some sure. of it is going to be trial and error. Some of it is, you know, talking to people, getting reviews. But really the the few the, the biggest question I would ask or the thing that I would try to find out if they do this or not and how they do it, that to me will will determine a lot is their quality assurance. So I'll give you an example. In Philadelphia, we had uh, The property management, again, um, that we had there, they didn't really get a fair shake of like if their pricing model was going to work better than our pricing model because COVID just threw a wrench in everything. And so they did all they could to get people in monthly and kind of st- stop the bleeding there. But one of the things they didn't do, and I didn't think about because we had never done this, had property managers who did this, and actually I told them now about this and they said, we're going to implement this into our business model is quality assurance. So what that means is... Typically, you have cleaners and they come in after guests and they clean and that's their thing. They just want to make sure it looks clean. And then you have handymen who come in when something is broken and they get in and out and they fix that thing. But no one is there looking for, hey, is the property just getting beat up and deteriorated, right? Not is it getting broken, and not is it not clean, but is it just getting yeah. worn out, and is there wear and tear?
0: Like, what does it physically look like? Does it need to be painted? Um, is there too much dust on certain things? I mean, the cleaner should be taking care of that, but sometimes they don't think about the ceiling fans or the baseboards, so you also have to make sure that every couple of months, they're doing, like, a deep, deep clean at that property. You have to look at the furniture. How are things looking? Are they about to break? Can we avoid somebody breaking something by replacing something that looks like like it's about to fall apart. So those are the things that we always wished we had time to do or that our property managers would tell us. And it's just a really important facet. Like, for example, I, I think that we read or heard somewhere that the actual – The owner of Airbnb used to say that you should stay at one of your properties every every six months or every six months or so just to get a feeling for what your guests are experiencing. And you know, we didn't have time to do that with all of our properties in Philly. But if you keep that mindset in there, maybe you don't actually have to physically stay at them overnight. But think about if you were to stay at them overnight or have your quality assurance team think about that. So I mean, little
1: things like light bulbs, right? Like if the if the Uh, if the cleaners are in there and they're in there during the day, they're not turning lights on, right? Or they might not have to. So like a bunch of light bulbs might be out. Maybe even a guest doesn't doesn't even notify you about that because it's a small thing. But they're, you know, they're going to go into a room, all this light bulbs, are going it's going to be a, a bad experience. That's a super easy fix. Yeah. But someone has to be going around turning on all the lights and saying, okay, do these work? Again, yeah. As Heather mentioned, the painting, it's a big thing. You know, people bang their suitcases into the walls. And, you know, again, a guest isn't going to tell you, hey, man, there's some scrapes and scratches on the wall. But when they walk in and it's not, it, it doesn't yeah, look great. I mean, great, if it's that's
0: everywhere, f- then right. it's a noticeable thing. So these are the things that make your listing go from that middle of the road to magical because you want everybody's experience to be as if it was like that first person staying there when it's pristine and beautiful and nothing is wrong and you know i think i I talk a lot about hotels i've never worked in the hotel industry but i feel like probably this is what hotels do right so that their rooms are always looking great so just you have to get that hospitality mindset as part of what you're thinking about so that you can create that experience for everybody
1: and and that is exactly what i would ask the, the property manager the one of the first questions or the first question would be essentially what are you doing for quality assurance that's outside of just cleaning and fixing stuff if it's broken how are we keeping the listing that when it's pristine and new how are we keeping it to that level constantly and so one of the property managers in Philly not not the one that we had but I talked to him about this and he said what we do is every month we have there is a perfect person who is not a cleaner they're just a quality assurance person and they will go to every property once a month. So you're each property, you will have someone in there at least once a month and they will go and they will look for very, just everything, do exactly what Heather said, very specific stuff. And they said, if there's things that need to be fixed, we'll just bill you. And typically once a month, it's about a hundred to $150 of stuff that needs to be fixed. Now our properties were bigger. So, you know, that, that number was there, but he was like, you know, it's, they'll take a dry erase thing and like wipe off you know, marks on the wall yeah, that magic or, eraser. yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. You're going to pay that money anyway. So it's whether you get to do it, whether you're doing it monthly and it's hundred, 150 bucks a month or at the end of the year or into two years or for us, it was like three years of Philly. We'd have to go, we had to go in and do it's like $3,000 of work. But the whole time then it's like, you're spending the same amount, but it's, it's going down, down, down. So your guests are going to have, have worse experiences where if you just spent the money as you went, everyone's getting the top, and experience. Right.
0: And you know, I also just want to point out, Trav, that's something that I try to implement in our daily lives that sometimes you don't always want to talk about. <laughs> I'm just going to give you that little well, quality nudge there. Assurance yeah, in our quality daily. assurance in our daily oh, life.
1: <laughs> we got to end this episode. This is getting out of hand at this point. But yes, that is to us was the biggest thing is that our listings were just deteriorating and we knew we were going to have to spend time and money to get them back up to where they needed to be. And we'd rather just do it spend the little bits throughout the whole time. Um, So really ask a property manager that because if they have a plan for that, you know that they've thought through this and they are at an upper echelon. That doesn't mean every other thing they do is perfect, but it means that they are thinking about your property in a different way than just someone who's there to manage it. Yes,
0: absolutely. And, you know, just another thing is that you really want them to be pretty autonomous. You know, like this is their job and you don't want them to call you about every little thing. So only call. Maybe you have a limit of if you know it's a big issue. Only call us to fix something if it's this amount.
1: If it's like if it's over five hundred bucks, call us and make sure it's okay or a thousand or whatever number. But if it's under that, just get the people out there and do it because again you're hiring a property manager to not have to stress you out. So even if they call and say, hey this oven broke, you know, we'll get it fixed. It's 250 bucks For me, what would happen, maybe not for you, Heath, I don't know. It's like I would then think about be like, oh dang, we're spending two fifty. Oh, that stinks that I haven't broke, it's only three years old. And I get like annoyed, who cares? Don't tell me like yeah. it, it, I mean, it they put it matter. in the
0: statements, but it just, yeah, it, it's fine. And it's just part of the process and to have it completely taken care of, then it's really no mental energy wasted for us so that we can use our mental energy to grow our businesses in other ways. Yep. So it just depends on where, what level you're at.
1: So those are a few things to do to look, uh, look for property managers. And you know, we've, we've had okay ones. We've had good ones. We've had great ones. We've done it ourselves. And, you know, some of it will be trial and error. The last thing I would mention with if you have a property manager or cleaner, you know, if they're not doing something the way that you want them to do it, tell them. Yeah, we have to struggled with this. Heather, I'm going to time to throw her under the I bus. Know, Just a true. second. She'd walk yeah. into one of our properties. She'd be like, oh, I don't want this chair here. I don't want this table here. They rearranged stuff. I said, OK, well, tell them. Well, and I'm like, well, take a picture and mm-hmm. tell them where you want it because they don't know. You know, the guests might move it around and they might think you know, this is where it should be. So I, and then on the property management side, I struggled with, with telling property managers like, Hey, things are getting beat up. You know, you don't want to be the quote unquote bad guy or, or problem client, but you are a client. And so if you want stuff a certain way, it's way better to tell them and and show them and take pictures because people are willing to do what you want. It's probably not even harder for them to do what you want. They just need to know.
0: Of course, yes. Just to have that open communication, you know, respectfully with everybody working together. Right, and that's so we, how you can have just like the most successful yeah,
1: that, <laughs> listing. And that's how you it's do easy, it.
0: Guys. It's easy, guys. It's easy.
1: It's <laughs> easy. Um, yeah, so you got to think to manage or not to manage. Again, we've we've done all facets of it other than the, the straight, you know, the whole thing with the cleaning ourselves. So, you know, you just reiterate and everything throughout this whole ep, uh, season really is about what type of lifestyle do you want like why are you doing short term rentals what do you want out of it if it is to make as much money as possible and you're either not working or you want it to replace your job then management might be worth it for you especially if it's local it's easy for you to get to you know you already know people who are handyman what cleaners right. whatever
0: And all the things that we've said in this episode can apply to you as the property manager. Those are the things that you should be thinking about. Um, All the things that we talked about before and for if you're hiring somebody. It all applies because that's the type of management you want for your property, whether you're doing it or whether somebody else is doing
1: it. But if you're like us and you want essentially... To have the fun of what I consider <laughs> the fun of short term rentals, which is like for me, as you guys know, getting oh it, negotiating, acquiring.
0: Obsessed, obsessed, acquiring, obsessed.
1: Well, and for you, Hath, it's the yep. design, the decor, getting it staged, getting it set up. And then we're just like, hey, we're ready to pass this off. The, the 15, 20% checks that we cut each month, are some of the best money we've ever spent when it comes to property managers. So just yep. think about that for yourself. All right, yep. guys, there you have it. To manage or not to manage? That is the question. And next episode, we will be talking about all the numbers. We started touching on that, some of that today, but we're going to go into the numbers, what makes a good um property how can you determine if it's good property all the numbers the important numbers to look at and the metrics to look at to make sure you're doing as well as you possibly can so we will nerd out next nerd episode alert. how are you feeling about nerding out
0: oh i am excited but not nearly as excited as you because this is traps domain this is,
1: all right guys we'll chat with you soon we this happy short term rental success
2: name, see your breath on window pain let's just talk till it strikes again on my way through I saw you on my way through on my way through I saw you I'll see you again someday.
1: One of the only reasons I wish this was a video
2: podcast is so they could see you dancing at the end of that song.
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see that.